Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, Season 6, Episode 16. Being able to be there and push the student-athlete on the physical side, but then also being there to support them mentally and being there, having an open ear, whatever it may be, just building that relationship with the student-athlete to know that, hey, they can come to us and know that we're going to listen to them. And, and if we're if we're not the right resource, we'll point them in the right direction. This is the NSCA's coaching podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA coaching podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. Today, we're joined by Mary Beth George, the chair of our college coaches professional development group and the new Assistant Athletic Director for Sport Performance at Youngstown State University in Ohio. Mary Beth, welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we get to talk a lot, but we don't always do it uh, in recorded format here. So really excited to have you on the podcast. Want to give you a chance to kick this thing off and just tell us about your new role at Youngstown State. Sure. Um, so have a unique opportunity here at YSU. Um, they brought me on as the assistant athletic director for sports performance. And I oversee uh, football, both bas- men's and women's basketball, and then all the Olympic sports, uh, which is pretty for this university. Uh, it's a brand new position, which I'm really excited about. Um, before they just had a director of football and he oversaw um, everyone. And so, you know, listening to their sport coaches and, and some of the student athletes and the feedback they have gotten over the years, um, they created this position. And I was lucky enough to make the cut and come on board. So since I've been here, um, I started in April. And since I've been here, we've made um, some changes within the weight room as far as equipment, Um, is concerned. We've made some um, unique changes with staffing. We've added um, two full-time positions, and then we have six graduate assistants as well. Um, So for um, a Division I school with 14 sports, we have uh, 10 coaches altogether, which is pretty cool. Um, And and, That's awesome. uh, Yeah, we have a great staff. Um, And, you know, I'm just looking in the future to build this and put Youngstown State on the map. So when I first started at the NSCA, you were at University of Pittsburgh, and that's where you're making the move from. And that's a program that has really put a lot of effort into advancing and growing that program over the years. Now you're kicking things off for yourself at a university that didn't have as much of a developed department. I think this is something that's really interesting for coaches to hear. You talked about facility, making sure that the facility was where you needed it to be and then staffing. Uh, You know, what recommendations do you have for coaches that maybe find themselves in a new role or a new leadership role, but maybe don't have all the resources yet that, uh, that are needed? Uh, I think the biggest thing is being able to see the big picture. And so, you know, going, being able to um, advocate to administration, your needs and let them know, um, you know, where you envision the program. And I think that's been the biggest thing is having an idea of where you want to go and understanding that 
you might not be there now, but if you keep your head down and keep working um, and keep advocating um, for everything that you have envisioned, you will get there. Um, and you got to also understand too administration and their vantage point and point of view. Um, you know, for some of these smaller schools, they don't necessarily, um, they've never experienced a lot of these things, whether it's working um, with technology or and sports science or, um, you know, having um, multiple staff members on the floor for student athletes. If you can make sure that the administration knows why you need those things and why you want those things, then, you know, any good administration is going to work and help you get what you want and need. I think there's there's a lot there, and I love how constructive you are in delivering that. You you deliver it in such a positive way, and I think that's the mentality you need to have in these scenarios because not every program is where it needs to be. And I think when you are interviewing or you're in the hiring process and you're delivering your vision and and, and your mission to come in and make a difference, you need to meet them where they're at in terms of what what's happening on that campus. Right. And going into that, you know, you might have to think outside the box um, to be able to get some of those things that, that you know, you do want and need. Um, for example, I'm working with our exercise science department on campus. Previously, there was no relationship um, with the academic side of things. And so, um, you know, when I first met with when I first met with the chair of the exercise science department, he said, you know, in all my years that I've been here, we haven't met with a strength and conditioning coach. And so for me, you know, we've been able to pull a good amount of interns from exercise science. We've been able to um, have exercise science start VO2 maxing some of our student athletes. Um, and so with that and just building that one little relationship, it's now started to cross over into some other portions of athletics. And to be completely honest, our university is in a unique, unique situation and enrollment is down. And um, there are some academic programs that might be getting cut or um, are getting some faculty that are being cut. And so um, with that, a lot of the academic side thinks that athletics is getting more money and, and resources and things like that. And so just to be able to bridge the gap between athletics and the academic side, it's helping the um, way that the academic side is perceiving athletics as well. So. Um, yeah, that's really it's, interesting. It's a bigger it's a bigger picture than just, you know, get, you know, getting the things that we need for our department. You hear about turf wars between academics and athletics on college campuses and I think the way, you know, you're you're bridging that gap, you're making that connection uh at a time when you know, there's, there's pressure to deliver, you know, at, at your university right now. And that's, uh, that's really interesting to think about because 
coming out of COVID-19 the last couple of years, there's, there's a lot of colleges and universities in that same boat. So it's pretty bold that they are taking the steps to add a department, add a position, add resources and support the athletes. I think one thing that comes up often, and this will kind of bridge us to our next topic is health and safety of athletes coming in as a new staff member. If you can make a point that what you're doing benefits those two areas. Usually you're going to be well served by that. And I bring that up because when we talk about the college coaches professional development group of the NSCA, a lot of the topics that come up revolve around supporting health and safety for student athletes with strength and conditioning. And I think it's one of those things that you know, there's that s- stigma in the field still where we are, we're the, we're the weight room folks, you know, we're, we're, I say folks, because I normally would have said we're the weight room guys, but you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, we're, we're getting better as a field and we're breaking that mold a little bit and being able to collaborate with sports medicine and other areas like you're talking about on campus to just show how broad and impactful our skill set can be. Wanted to give you a chance, Mary Beth, to talk about the professional development group. What is that exactly for anyone who maybe hasn't heard about it and just some of the things we have going on? Sure. Um, so the College Coaches Professional Development Development Group uh, stemmed from the College Coaches SIG. Um, so that special interest group, um, you know, the NSCA, really thought that they needed to get back to their roots and give back to the college coach. And so one way to do that was by elevating us to a professional development group. And um, in that we have um, a direct line to the board of directors. And, you know, I've been working with you, Eric, on submitting some recommendations to those board of, to the board of directors. and in, in, in a broader scope, so more people kind of can understand a little bit. Um, you know, we're really looking at trying to help the college coach advocate for themselves. Um, and essentially, um, the biggest thing that we've learned um, through our group and and talking with other coaches um, has been that we don't necessarily have all the resources that we need to be able to go to administration, um, whether it's for salary wise, whether it's um, to promote our department, um, you know, little things like that. And so um, our professional development group is here to aid coaches um, with those resources and be a sounding board, um, you know, with our Facebook group, being able to shoot out a question and have you know, multiple, multiple people um, give you their point of view and perspective and how they might have handled the situation, um, whatever that may be. So um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned since being part of this group has been that there's a whole network of people behind you rooting for you to do well and will support you, um, you know, whether it is that you're an assistant um, just coming up and it's your first full-time position or, you know, if you're someone like me trying to build a program, um, whatever it might be, there are other people that have experienced something similar before, and they can be a sounding board um, to help you succeed. You mentioned advocacy, and that's, I think, probably the biggest theme that's come from our conversations around 
collegiate strength and conditioning. Uh, when we look at the field, I remember when I got in, I ended up going the professional baseball route, but I think when I first looked at strength and conditioning as a career path, collegiate strength and conditioning was really the most established route that was available for me to, to learn about. So these roles have been around for a while. There's obviously more opportunities now than there were years ago, but the role of advocacy within collegiate athletic departments, I want to unpack that a little bit. What is, what is advocacy? What's, what's needed and uh, where's this group going to take us? So it's advocacy within strength and conditioning, um, collegiate strength and conditioning to be specific is being able to advocate um, for yourself, whether that's um, trying to get a better salary, whether that's trying to, you know, get more GAs or full-time positions on your, in your department. Um, I think a lot of times we as strength coaches, as we're coming up, we're taught about the programming and we're taught about, you know, how to connect with student athletes, but we're not always taught how to connect with administration. Um, and, you know, we don't necessarily always sit in on meetings with the athletic director or meetings with the executive athletic director. And so how do we go to them and say, hey, here's here's what we need to be better for our student athletes and highlight the health and wellness of our student athletes um, and make sure that we are providing a safe atmosphere for student athletes to train and become better athletes. Um, so with our professional development group and our council within the um, professional development group, we've been able to brainstorm. Um, we even had a collegiate coaches working group um, that was put together by you, Eric. And, you know, we came up with ideas of having some pre-written justification letters and, um, you know, job description templates. You know, if you are in my position and you are, are able to add a full-time position, um, you know, what does that job description look like um, to, to broaden and, and find some of the best candidates for that position? Yeah, I think back early in my career, I didn't know a lot of strength and conditioning coaches, you know, mm -hmm. and looking back on that, what was meaningful? It was reading coaches' bios that I could find and finding job descriptions that I wasn't ready for yet. And so that is something that when I look at the role of the NSCA in this, how we can support colleges and universities, it's really around resources and professional development mm -hmm. resources, but that's not always going to be related to content that's on the CSCS. So as we look at this, I really like some of the ideas that came up from that group. You know, we talked about, you know, on the health and safety side, you might have to justify a new position on yourself, on your staff. Mm -hmm. So building sort of a strength and conditioning or weight room calculator tool that would allow you to determine how much how much square footage you would need in a new facility or equipment layout based on NSCA recommendations. Um, another cool one was, you know, how many staff would be required based on largest team size that you would have in the weight room, uh, given all the camp on campus factors and other things. Right, right. That was that was actually one of the coolest ideas, I think, um, you know, to be able to pull up your phone and just type in you know, how many student athletes you have and, 
and the square footage, like you said, and then an algorithm do the work for you. You know, that that's to have something at our fingertips as coaches will help immensely. And again, it goes back to, you know, the safety and wellness of our student athletes. And, and if we can have that, then I think the field starts to change a little bit. Yeah. I think from the NSCA perspective, the best thing we can do is just maintain the fact that we have high standards for health and safety and for athletic performance of our athletes. And if, and really the mission of the NSCA hasn't changed. We're always having to go back to just conveying and communicating what those standards are for the field. And so when I think about it, it's really no different than what we've always done. We're just repackaging some of the key messages in a way that optimizes the delivery of this information for the college coaching community. Um, I think it's, I think it's cool. One thing we're uh, talking about with the professional development group. So from a special interest group to a PDG, we have now added positions. So right now the, uh, the volunteer uh, application period is open and yes. people are applying for these roles. Talk about what you're looking for in expanding your council. Yep. We're definitely looking to expand in a couple ways. Um, we would like to add more members to our council because the more um, voices we have and, and the more people we have to bounce ideas off of, I think this group will get stronger. Um, and, and in the people that we're looking for, um, we are looking to bring on um, some coaches who have experience in other or um, governance, such as the NAIA, you know, instead of just the NCAA. We have a lot of coaches who belong to member institutions from the NCAA, um, but looking to expand into, you know, like I said, NAIA, JUCO, um, some of those other divisions that you might not um, hear a lot about because, you know, we are trying to serve all college coaches, not just those within the NCAA. So anyone who's interested um, that might be a member of one of those institutions, you know, we encourage you to apply. Uh, and then the same would be um, with a younger um, strength coach who might be, you know, a paid fellow or a paid intern um, or in their first full-time position. You know, we really want to have um, a multitude of voices from different backgrounds and um, multitude of voices who have different experiences. And, you know, a coach who's just starting out um, now in a different era than when I might have started or, um, you know, some of our other council members might have started. Um, I think, it gives us a little idea of what those coaches are looking for instead of just, you know, feeding into one, one era of coach. Yeah, totally. The strength and conditioning students and young coaches of today, we're talking about your role on the professional development group. That's a volunteer leadership position within the NSCA. But as we develop programs, initiatives and get these uh, these aspiring coaches and yeah. in, involved, there are leaders in the future. And that's something that I think is a huge message for the NSTA going forward is that, you know, as we get 
accredited education programs, as we advance our professional communities, as we improve our, our research and all of our scientific areas, the way you're going to see that is by the students and young coaches and young professionals of today showing up at our conferences and speaking and being on committees. Um, there's someone in college right now that is considering this profession that's going to be on our board of directors one day. That's sure. going to lead this organization forward. And, you know, we have a role on the board of directors that's dedicated to institutional uh, collegiate strength and conditioning. And, and that is something that uh, I think it gets overlooked at times. I think there's a perception that, you know, in this space because of scholarship and all the other factors that mm -hmm. there's a huge academic push within strength and conditioning, but this podcast is proof that the voice of the coach shines through and that the NSCA serves to support the coaching community. The coaching community is broad, a lot broader than it was in 1978, right. for sure. And that's, I think, where some of these initiatives and goals are taking us is that the more people we have, the more voices, like you mentioned, the more consensus and the more guidance and direction we can have to, to lead us going forward. So I'm really excited about the professional development groups. I think uh, what we've talked about in Approach of Coaches Conference is actually having some meetings at both of our national, our big national events. So, um, you know, talk about that a little bit, the, uh, you know, how we have meetings at our national conferences, maybe a little plug for some people to show up. Yep. Um, so both at our at the national conference and then the coaches conference coming up here in January, um, we usually hold a professional development group meeting. Um, and in that meeting, we usually try to review um, what we've talked about in um, the time since our last meeting um, as a group, whether that's from our Facebook group or whether that's just from reports from our council meetings, things like that. Um, but then we use those meetings um, to try to provide annual updates, um, whether that's from, you know, our institutions and what some rules might be looking at um, from the NCAA or, you know, um, as we move forward and, and try to get, get some NAIA and JUCO coaches in, but what, you know, what might be some issues that are current issues that are facing their strength and conditioning departments. Um, and then we use those meetings also to try to discuss as a group, um, you know, how to better, like you said, um, ourselves and, and how can we utilize this group to help each other. Um, so whether that's working through some of those issues and what we might be seeing on our own campuses or, um, you know, what we want to see in the future from this group. Totally. The, the conversations that happen in the college space, I think, get so steered by really our, maybe our biases or perceptions coming in. You know, I went to a small D3 college, so it, I always tell this story. It's funny to me, you know, they, uh, the professor I had would talk about how 
professional sports were all about winning and collegiate sports are all about development. And then when I got into professional sports, they were telling me the exact opposite. So I think one, what, what that brings me to is that when we come together in these conversations, you know, I don't know as much as you know about your athletic conference or the NCAA policies as administered by your compliance officers those are really good conversations. And I think there's something there that we can do better beyond saying, Hey, we're the, we're the NSCA college coaching SIG. And we're just going to talk about what the NSCA is doing. We want to actually share what's happening out in the field and bring that back so that we at the NSCA on the staff, so we can report that to our board of directors so that we can put in programs to actually serve the current needs in the field. So this professional development group push really supports that. Uh, I really like the focus on, especially now, as we talk about in collegiate sports with uh, with strength and conditioning coach qualifications, just the sharing of information around regulatory and uh, administrative topics, issues that come up. Because those are things that that we don't learn in strength coach school. You know, we need to expand ourselves that way. Um, Mary Beth, here's one. We talk about this off the record a lot. Yep. Um, you and I are both parents in the profession. Uh, this is a topic, you know, a group of us were hanging out at a conference earlier this year and it came up, hey, why don't we have a session for parents at one of our conferences, yep. you know? Uh, talk about being a parent in the profession. Uh, share a little bit about your perspective on that. How have you made it work? Um, I won't go into my uh, crazy stories of four kids and professional baseball and all that, but I want you to tell your story. Sure. Um, so I have two kids, married and have two kids. Um, one is one and a half and the other one is five years old. Uh, so Daniel is my oldest. Uh, he, the only thing he knows is strength and conditioning. Uh, he loves the weight room, just like probably all the other strength coaches out there who have kids, uh, you know, grown up in it and, you know, we'll come to a football lift and think he's one of the guys. Right. So, um, I think, you know, having a family in the profession is, is very unique. You know, in our profession, we talk about work-life balance and, you know, does that even exist? Um, I would not be able to be in this profession without my husband. Uh, he has been a huge support factor uh, with our family. And, you know, I just got back from being on the road, um, with our women's soccer team. You know, I was gone from Wednesday to early Sunday morning, you know, 2am we got back. So trying to figure out how do I devote enough time to my family and make sure that my family knows I care for them. I love, love them. I want them to you know, do well, but then also put the time and effort into my career. And, and, you know, as a new coach at this university and trying to get a department off the ground, you know, that does take a lot of time. That does take a lot of effort. Um, you know, I talking with other coaches who have kids and families, it can be done. Um, but 
you know, there's a lot of coaches out there who, um, you know, it's not always talked about. Right. And so like you said, bringing it to the forefront and, you know, as we are, we're all kind of talking, you know, we were saying, Hey, how is your family? What are, you know, some things that are going on with your family? I think we all genuinely care about each other, but then getting down to the nuts and bolts of how do we make it work? Um, you know, I think it would be really cool as we move forward, um, even in this professional development group is to have some sessions of career planning for some of our younger coaches who, you know, get in, when I got in the field, I didn't even think about having a family at the time. I was so devoted to, you know, you know, this is my career and this is what I want to do. And this is what I have to do to make my career work. Um, but then when the kids came along, I had to adjust some of my own, um, beliefs about the job. Um, you know, I used to think that I had to be at the, you know, be behind my desk from 6am to 6pm. And now, you know, Hey, as long as I'm in and I'm showing my student athletes that I care about them and I'm getting my work done and, um, administration knows that I'm doing my job and I care about what I do. Um, as long as those boxes are checked, I can, you know, go home or I, you know, for Halloween, I was able to um, leave in the middle of the day to go see my son in his Halloween parade and then get back here for the next group. Um, so being able to do little things like that, um, I think it's, you're able to find the value in both family and job. That's awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask, did you have time to put a costume on for the Halloween parade? But unfortunately not, but <laughs> it maybe was next a hustle. Year. Maybe next year I'll come more prepared. <laughs> you know, I, I think it is so cool when, you know, we're in a profession that we love, right? We wouldn't pursue this path and some of the challenges that go with it if we didn't. And Sometimes we put the blinders on and I think early in your career, you sort of have to do that, right? You have to put your career in the forefront, wherever that's going to take you and in coaching, it can take you a lot of different places. Right. I do remember in college that actually, you know, I was deciding what I wanted to do with my life, you know, mm -hmm. like we all do. Right. And okay. I just remember thinking, you know, I probably am going to want to have a family one day. What does it look like to mm -hmm. have a job like this? And running it through that filter at first causes a little bit of stress and anxiety when you're looking at, well, probably any profession. Sometimes I think we can say strength and conditioning is, is a lot different than others, but in reality, all professionals have to do that. And For sure. you take a leap towards a profession that you don't really fully understand yet when you're 21, 22 years old or some careers you have to even decide before that. So it's, uh, but here's one for you, Mary Beth, you know, yep. your perspective as a mom, mm -hmm. you know, what is something that uh, a perspective gained from being a parent that has just added value to you as a coach? Uh, for me, it is understanding that the student athletes I work with have a mom and dad, just like my kids have mom and dad, right? Like a lot of times when you first enter this profession, you look at them just as a student athlete. Um, and so now, you know, once I've had kids, I look at a student athlete as a son or daughter and that, you know, I'm 
potentially the babysitter. I don't want to say that, but you know, I'm taking care of someone's child for an X amount of time. And, you know, so the health and safety of that student athlete comes first. And I think it just puts a different perspective as to what does that health and safety mean? Right. Um, Cause if I were to send my kid out, you know, I would want my kid to be taken care of just as well. Um, and, and to know that they are safe and they're in an environment that they are pushed to their maximum potential, but then also that, you know, they're given some praise every once in a while and they're, you know, being able to, you know, have a, a great mental space, um, whatever that might be. And so, um, I think, you know, for me as a mom, I've had a lot of different experiences just within, you know, the five and a half years that I have been a mom, um, especially since my son has had a kidney transplant and has had some health issues. So knowing that, you know, there are other people who have had hardships and have gone through things, um, you know, you're able to look at each individual just as that, an individual, and that not all student athletes are the same. You know, someone might, um, you know, have had gone through some stuff or, you know, mom and dad might be going through something. Grandma and grandpa might be going through something. Um, so being able to, you know, be there and push the student athlete on the physical side, but then also being there to support them mentally um, and being there, you know, having an open ear, whatever it may be, just building that relationship with the student athlete to know that, hey, they can come to us and, and know that we're going to listen to them. And, and if we're if we're not the right resource, we'll point them in the right direction, um, you know, to have whatever support they need. It's a powerful perspective there. You know, if you are a GA coach out there in the field right now, uh, learning, learning your dynamic with the teams and athletes you work with. Maybe you're having to drive the, the van on, on road trips. You know, yep. I know I had to do that in my first coaching gig and, uh, just know that those, those students in the car with you, that that's someone's baby. That's someone's child. Mm -hmm. Right. You're, you may not come up with that perspective for yourself, but if you're hearing this now, from two parents here on the episode, I, that is, uh, you know, our kids are young and we're not there where we have kids in college yet. But, you know, I know 10 years from now when my son is, mm -hmm. you know, in his 20s and who knows yep. what he's doing in college, you know, I'm going to still really be involved in his life and really want to know he's in good hands with the people that he's he's with. So right. I think that's a really powerful perspective for our young coaches, young professionals in the field. There's so many parallels between parenting and coaching that can be unpacked. There's a huge, there's a number of sessions that could come from that at conferences, uh, maybe a round table or a panel discussion, something that will come up. I think we'll revisit this in the future, but Mary Beth, this has been fun. Thanks for being with us. No problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been great. So Anyone wants to reach out, what's the best way to do that? To do that? Um, best way is through email. Um, my 
information is on the YSU sports website, um, but email is megeorge01 at ysu.edu. So email is the best way. Um, you know, if, if you want to, I think two plugs I have got is one, um, if you want to be a part of our professional development group council, um, applications are open, please, please, please submit an application. Um, we'd love to, you know, broaden our group, but then also, um, if you're going to the college coaches conference, please come to our meeting. We'd love to have you there and, and hear your voice. Awesome. Thanks again for being with us. To everyone listening in, we appreciate you being here. And also, a special thanks to Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Tim Sokomel, the chair of the NSCA Sports Science and Performance Technology Special Interest Group. And you just heard an episode of the NSCA Coaching Podcast. This show brings about excellent discussion right to the core of the NSCA's mission to bridge the gap between scientific research and application. If you want to learn more about the many advancements in the areas relevant to today's practitioners, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Also join the discussion in the NSCA Sports Science and Performance Technology SIG on Facebook. Go to NSCA.com for more information. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.